What's up, everyone? I'm Doug Kide. Welcome to Pat's Chat. I'm here, as always, with Michael Hurley. Michael, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. How are we doing today? Doing great. Doing better than whenever last time when I was whining about whatever. So can't complain. There's a lot of stuff to whine about last time. Um, so it's <sighs> get cranky. It's the end of like it's the weeks are long. The weeks are very long, but we made it. Yep. This one's short, actually, Patriots wise. So that's a positive. Usually for every long week, there's or for every short week, there's a long week. But for the last short week, there was another short week. Went from Monday yeah. to Sunday, Sunday to Saturday. Now you finally get the the long week. So you're kind of bookended with two short weeks by two long weeks. Have you noticed this year that the NFL has been putting teams on Thursday one week and then Monday the next week? And it's like, why am I watching the Rams again? Why am I watching the Cardinals again? Like they, I don't know what the plan was with that, but it stinks and I hate it. Yeah. It's like they wanted to give them like a, like a second. It's not even a mini buy at that point. You're almost getting like a full buy if it's Thursday to Monday. Yeah. But then you have a short week. So it's like, it's just right. It's too much. Yeah. I don't need that much. Really help you that much. Los Angeles. I get they won the Super Bowl, but it's just it's they've done it a lot, and it's just unfortunate. It was pretty funny on Monday night when it was the Packers and the Rams. It was like heading into the season, ESPN was like, "Hell yes, yeah, <laughs> we've got the Rams and Packers. We've got we're gonna get Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on this. It's gonna be the best matchup of the year." And then it comes down to it's like, "God damn it!" No. Like Baker Mayfield's involved. <laughs> How did that happen? That was a rare night where I treated football like baseball, like in the second quarter, I put like a Netflix show on or something just because it was like, I'm not going to watch all 60 minutes of this. Like, I don't yeah. get me wrong. I watched too much of it. And we'll talk about maybe the Christmas slate and how much of our Christmases we're going to give to like the worst game, like, like Bucks Cardinals. I'm going to be like staring at like an idiot. So, I mean, we can make fun of it if we want, but I know where I'll be sadly. Yeah, we could. We can talk about that later, but uh, that's one kind of good thing about not having a national perspective on the NFL anymore is that like, I don't feel compelled to really pay that much attention to football games. Raiders Steelers Christmas Eve at eight fifteen. Not not yeah taking up it's, your time. I it might be on like a, on a laptop while I'm doing something else. But phone, um, phone. let's talk about relegated to the phone, Doug. The phone. Let's let's talk about the Patriots for a little bit here. Um, or for a lot bit here. Let's talk about the injury report first, because that's the most latest news that came out. And we have found out from Mike Reese of ESPN that long snapper Joe Cardona out for the season. Uh, Patriots also will not have cornerback Jalen Mills, nor wide receiver Devontae Parker on Saturday, Christmas Eve against the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's a bunch of guys who are questionable. Damian Harris, Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones, Jacoby Myers, Ramondre Stevenson, and Ty Quan Thornton, the two guys on that list who did not play last week were Damian Harris and Jack Jones. So it seems like there's at least a possibility that those guys were played, but I will say about the Patriots injury report, they are so much less clear than any other team when it comes to injury reports. Everyone knows that already, but like, like typically on like the 31 other teams, you would have some idea of whether or not Damian Harris or Jack Jones is going to play this week, but the Patriots, you just have no idea. Questionable means I'm, nothing. Damian Harris went to Arizona. Right, he went on the he went on the road trip, and d hasn't played still. So I, I, that one's a tough one. I feel bad for him. We might have talked about this already, but like I always feel bad. It felt like they were trending toward diminishing his role in his contract year anyway. And Ramondre Stevenson's presence was you know a big part of that. And it's not like they were lacking. So like I already kind of felt bad. Like he was losing money. Running backs' careers are so short. And then like 
he gets hurt on Thanksgiving. We haven't seen him since. Like, I, I hope for his sake in his bank account and his future in the NFL, because he's a damn good running back, I think. And uh, I don't know that he changes the equation with the Patriots this week or beyond, but you know, for his own sake, I would, I would hope he gets back out there. That's, that's always like my, uh, my bias watching sports is like, I just root for the players to like do well for themselves. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, obviously it's been tough that he's dealt with so many injuries this season, but like everyone does know that he's a good running back. And I feel like he hasn't really been an injury guy in the past. So hopefully well, he like, still gets paid. It won't be as much as he would have though. It, it's like the if same he was as the season that Ramondre Stevenson was having, then yeah. Right. I just like James White is like a tragedy in my mind, because he obviously in 2020 had a, a real life awful tragedy where it's like, geez, like who cares about football? And then that brought him back for a year. And then he has like a Bo Jackson injury and that's it. And it's like, man, that's that guy was going to make so much money, if not for, you know, a series of events. So I hope I hope the Patriots employ him forever in some role just because he deserves it. Running Absolutely. Back. Yeah, running it's it's tough. I mean, if if you're if you're like college coach or high school coach is trying to convince you to play running back and you're like a four or five star prospect, be like, no, I'm playing safety, I'm playing linebacker, I'm playing I don't even know what like wide receiver, athlete. slot receiver. I'm be an athlete. Any, anything Just, else, yeah. You like look at Debo, was it last off season? I get my off season yeah. confused where he's like, I'm not playing if you keep handing me the ball. Like this is not a good career move. So um it's too bad. But anyways. Uh, yeah. the, the Cardona thing, uh, they, they are just coming off obviously a blocked punt where the snap came and not everyone was ready. So, uh, for as much as we could be like, well, we'll see how this goes. It's like, well, uh, they're coming off a, a major blunder on the punt team. So, but I mean, where I do think that matters is let's say there's any issue on the field goal unit for a team that depends on field goals. Like you can't be missing a single blink on that process. And it's been money. Uh, you know, Nick Folk hit whatever, 50 straight under 50. So before that broke up, like that that unit was pretty comfortable with how they were working. So as much as we're not going to break down the long snapper uh, spin rate, uh, speed, uh, I remember when they drafted Cardona, we had his mile per hour on the long snap, which was like one of the funniest day of my life. Um, I do think if you're looking for something from the definitely out guys, that's that's one area in the field goal area that, that could show up. I... So with long snappers, I find long snappers like pretty fascinating, not fascinating enough to like actually like write about them or think about them mm. that much or talk <laughs> about them or but, respect them or care or, about them or, or even know what their names are. Like <laughs> I, I, I have actually a few points on long snappers right now. All right. First of all, it's kind of amazing that like there's 32 NFL players employed by teams and most of whom have been with their teams for like five plus years, I would assume. Right. Like, and I can't name, I can name like a couple other long snappers in the NFL. Maybe I actually don't even know if I really can. And I like just was covering the the entire league like a month ago, but isn't it kind of amazing? First of all, how anonymous they are, but second of all, how consistent they are. Is anyone else yeah. in sports as like set it and forget it consistent as an NFL long snapper is because I legitimately don't think there's anyone else in sports who's like that, that you can no. just count on to do it for like 15 years and you never have to change it out. It's kind of like the equivalent. I would say if you could be a golfer and you could just hit it 240 down the middle, every single tee shot, like you're not bombing at 300, but right. you're also not shanking it to the right. You're also not, you know, completely missing. You're not, you're not coming over to the top. You're just every time you're stepping up, 
and you have your body down to a science and you're just going to bring it back and you're bringing it forward 240 right down the middle. It's 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 a weird thing if you've never tried it. Like in high school, like we all and with shoulder pads on and helmets, it's like right. it's extremely difficult. So it's it's a pretty yeah. uh, unique skill. I'd expand it, Doug, while we're doing longsnapperpodcast.com. Um, expand it to Division One college football. There's a lot of guys snapping the football, yeah. the punters and kickers. Like, God bless them going to college for that. Do you get a scholarship I, for that? Probably not. Um. Uh, well, and then Steve Belichick did it. Steve Belichick was the uh, the long snapper. Yeah, he could afford school. I don't though. think you. I actually don't think he was the long snapper. I think he was a long snapper. A, a long and, snapper. And there is there's a there's a very clear difference I think between a long snapper and the long snapper. Yeah. Um. But no, Tucker Addington. Do you know where Tucker Addington went went to college? Rutgers. I don't know. He went to Sam Houston State. Oh yes, kind I of, did know that. I did know that. It's kind of funny to to pull a long snapper from like an FCS school. Like that, like one of the one of the thirty two, or yeah, now one of the thirty two best long snappers in the world. God wasn't bless. even good yeah. enough for an FBS school. He was in the USFL, as as I recall. Um, can Houston I? I'm gonna gamblers. tell. I'm gonna uh, make the executive decision to cut our long snapper talk short. But I do want two quick stories. Once in high school, I went to the mall, the Burlington Mall. Took the bus there because we none of us drove yet. Walked into Macy's and Lonnie Paxton was doing a signing, and there was nobody wow. there. A woman oh, came no. over and was like, guys, could you come over and meet Lonnie Paxton from the Patriots? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's no angel guy. And like he signed my friends like random hat. And they were like, he was like, you guys want to grab? We're like, Not, no, but like, nice to meet you. Um, so that was one. A second one. Remember in like 2010 ish, they had like a cycle of long snappers. Like there was a kid from mm-hmm. Hawaii. I forget his name. It was like Jake or something. Yeah, Jake Ingram, it, I think. That maybe one? that. Yeah. And so. I was at a game. It was either a playoff game, like a divisional round game, or maybe like a big Monday night game, whatever. And I'm in the press box, like getting ready. And, you know, the game's like 15 minutes from starting and they have the strips of explosives pyro lined up by the helmet where they come out. <laughs> and so this long snapper runs out with the, with the kicking block in his hand and like the holder and, and the kicker, Goskowski, and they just run out because they're get out early to get some kicks in. And the guy operating the pyro must have been like, oh, my God, is it starting? And he flipped it on and almost killed the long snap. Like he almost <laughs> it was so close. It was like a movie, like di- like a diehard explosion. Like he like I almost watched and I don't think anyone else in the stadium watched because he just like shot off one explosive. And it was like, oh, wait, wait, wait it's just the kicker. It was like I almost saw the long snapper die before a playoff game. Good Lord. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad we didn't lose a long snapper that day. It would have been tough to (laughs) witness a murder. Um, yeah. Being the only witness to a murder in front of 70,000 people, that would have been, I would have had to testify the poor guy. It was an accident, but yeah, no, we avoided it barely. Would have really like created a real scenario for you. It would have been unfortunate, but, um, earlier in the week, some people found it interesting that Bill Belichick was asked if Mac Jones was going to be the starter for the rest of the season. And that Bill Belichick said, he basically just pivoted and said, yeah, we're going to get ready for the Bengals or some sort of quote like that. Try to beat the Bengals. Um, I don't know. I wasn't that surprised by that. Some people seem to be surprised by it. I think like Pro Football Talk wrote about it or something. But I think that that's just like sort of the way that Bill Belichick is going to answer that question for the until the end of time at this point, right? Yeah, I I didn't take it as a vote of no confidence i took it as bill just not answering your stupid question let's go to work and like a question or two before that i forget who someone asked about max mechanics like how much were max mechanics 
at fault for that 13 for 31 passing performance. And it was the same thing. Like, yeah, well, we all got to get better. Each It was like one of those right. press conferences where yeah. if you're looking for specifics coming off a game like that, you're just not going to get it. So that was my take on it. But at the same time, I do think I don't want to be naive and ignore what happened earlier this year when going right. into that Bears game, there was in, in those two weeks before it, there was no vote of confidence where is Mac right. your quarterback? And it's like, well, well, there was no Cam Newton in 2020 situation where it was clear. This is our quarterback. Right. No reason to ask about it. So I'm not going to completely like wag my finger at anyone that's trying to like drum up attention for it because yeah. we have experience with it two months ago being real. So I'm not saying Zappy's coming out this week, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that it was necessarily misinterpreted by everyone. I just didn't interpret it that way. Yeah, no, I didn't interpret it. I, I like you said, I think it was just Bill being Bill, not really wanting to answer anything. And I think that that's specifically like, I don't know. I mean, he's going to make headlines no matter what. But if he like throws his vote of confidence behind Mac Jones and then he has to pull him, then he's going to he knows that he's going to wind up looking stupid. But I, I in rewatching Mac's performance from last week, he wasn't good, obviously. Um, but I don't know if I'd necessarily say it was like, the worst game of his NFL career. And I don't know if this is by design or not, but like as many passes as Mac Jones was missing and as like as inaccurate he was at times in that game, at least they weren't, you know, near interceptions. At least they weren't like pickable passes um against the Raiders. But once again, I'm not sure if that's necessarily by design or not, but at least if he's missing, he's also not putting the ball up for grabs at this point. Yeah. Is that like I'm the gonna... faintest praise ever? Yeah, no, I'm gonna stick with it was bad. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Where uh, if you go and he was talking the other day, you know, we want to end every drive with a kick, whether that's you know a field goal or an extra mm. point, or sometimes a punt is it bad. And it's like, man, the philosophy of this offense sucks. Like, if that's how, what your quarterback is coming out, and you know he's regurgitating what's told to him, and it's like, right. I don't know, what's the point of even putting the pads on if you're going out there like with that mentality? Like, oh, no, punt might be good. Yeah, punts better than you know yeah. many other alternatives, and it's like I don't know. Um, uh, by by passer rating, that was only his third worst game uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Buffalo in twenty twenty one. That was uh, the loss last year, fourteen for thirty two, hundred forty five yards, two picks. So he there didn't throw any picks this time. And then the other one, I don't yeah. know if it counts, three for six against the Bears with a pick, uh, and then got yanked. Everyone in the lower bowl was jumping up and down. It was a very embarrassing moment for the franchise fan base, I think, uh, to go that crazy for Bailey Zappi. Um, so those were the two worst passer rating-wise. Um, but I, I'm still sticking with it being bad. But I get what you're saying. He wasn't being reckless and careless. But missing yeah. Jacoby Myers up the seam stands out. Missing okay. Johnny in the end zone, obviously. And just not looking not looking good. I mean, sometimes people over-criticize yeah. him. I think last week is, is a fair criticism. Um, if Mac wasn't pulled from that game and if Bailey Zappi didn't struggle so much against Chicago, do you think we would have seen Bailey Zappi again by this point? Because I feel like, like if Zappi had just left it off with being like so good in those games, you know, being a winner, like being efficient, doing all those things. I feel like the opinion of Zappi would be Uh, much higher than after that bears game. Where I say no is they won three straight games. You know, they, right. they beat the Jets. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't Mac did throw a pick that game that would have lost them the game, if not for John Franklin Myers uh, hitting him uh, unnecessarily and negating it. So 
I, maybe if I would, I would go more if that penalty wasn't called. Fair. If yeah. if they miss that call, which NFL officials sometimes miss, um, I don't know if you caught the end of Washington command uh, the Commanders Giants game where they missed uh, Kayvon Thibodeau getting poked in the eye and a, a man jumping on a receiver to end the game. So I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, so let's say they miss that call and the pick six stands and they lose to the Jets. I'm sure the Heat gets a little bit more turned up yeah. and Zappy would have beaten the Colts. Like right. I don't have any doubt about that and. He could have beaten the Jets, too. It's not like Mac was good in that game or did anything special in that game. So, yeah, I, but I still think the team is better off not doing that. I just think Mac is a more capable. His 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 abilities are much broader than Bailey Zappi's, despite the way Zappi looked against the Browns and the Lions. I, I agree with that. And you've got plenty of time with Bailey Zappi, too. Like, you can, you can ride this season out with Mac Jones, even, like, going to next season if you don't make a quarterback change. And you got Bailey Zappi on a rookie contract for four years. So you could turn to Bailey Zappi really at any point over the next four years. So certainly don't have to rush things there. Patriots only had one player make the Pro Bowl. That was Matthew Judon. Uh, clearly with his sack numbers, that was deserved, even though I've probably made this point too many times at this point. But a lot of Matthew Judon sacks have been unblocked sacks. They've been stunts. They've been kind of schemed up uh, to some degree. And I think that that's where you start to see now in the second half of the season again, sack numbers have fallen off a little bit. I, I certainly think that it's deserved. He's got a ton of sacks. Um, but that's, I think, one of the reasons why he does kind of run hot and cold a little bit. And why last year, when he had all those sacks, he was giving a lot of credit to his teammates. And why this year, he's he admitted himself that, he might not even be the best pass rusher on the team, and that, that might be Josh Uche. I think that at this point on a one-on-one matchup, like Josh Uche might be the better player to get pressure against a quarterback. Um, but my larger point on the Pro Bowl is wait, that, wait, wait, wait. I want to add yeah. it's just oh, a yeah, matter yeah. of it's a matter of public relations and marketing. The red sleeves are very smart True. on that single digit yeah. number in the red sleeves. It's like there he is. You can't ignore it. And it's 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 good. It's I would I would equate it to a squirrel tail, like you see a squirrel walk by, you're like, oh, that's adorable. If it doesn't have that fluffy tail, you're like, yeah, it's a rat, like get away. And there's a lot of the visual, like he just, I mean, he's a very good player. I'm not saying he's not, but it, yeah. it just helps boost that status where you get to Pro Bowl level. I mean, leading the league in sacks probably does help. As well, <laughs> it helps. But I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think Matt Judon's great. I think that Matt Judon's incredible. Uh, but. He has gotten some help on those. Uh, Michael Wenu, I think, is one of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs overall this year. And I would have replaced Quentin Nelson with Michael Wenu uh, because Quentin Nelson has not been good this season. If you compare Michael Wenu and Quentin Nelson this season, uh, Michael Wenu has not allowed a single sack, whereas Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson has allowed three sacks. Michael Wenu has allowed eight total pressures this season. Quentin Nelson has allowed 24 total pressures and both of the offensive lines as a whole suck. So it's not like you can like discount mm-hmm. Michael Wenu for, uh, for being part of a bad offensive line. The Colts offensive line might be even worse than the Patriots offensive Good line. Point. Good point. And at least Michael Wenu has like, has, has been better than the rest of everyone else. Somehow he, as I made the point last week, like he's continued to be good while everyone else has struggled, whereas Quentin Nelson has done a nosedive just like everyone else on that Colts offensive line. That's a good point by you. You you brought him up recently uh, in a podcast and said that he was a bright spot, and then you flipped it as a negative, saying, like, why wasn't he playing last year? I meant to flip it to the negative to say you don't need to take a guard in the first round, clearly. 
to to have an impact fair. player. So it's fair if you're comparing him to the Pro Bowl pick and he's as good, if not better, uh, as a fifth round pick. Probably where you should be getting your guards, but you know where you know maybe we veer to the negative on that. I, we can turn any positive into a negative. I I mean I'll take that a step further too. Yeah. Every, obviously everyone said everything that they have to say about Cole Strange at this point. And it's it's all fair. It's all everything. And like Cole Strange has not been great this season. He's not Quentin I, Nelson. Like, you know, he's not like a game changer impact. No. And like if you're looking for an a small athletic small school guard, like not to say those guys like grow on trees, but like there's a lot of athletic undersized guards out there in college football and you don't necessarily even just have to pluck them from the guard position like joe tooney has been one of the best guards in the nfl since he came into the nfl and he was a third round pick and like body size wise and everything like that athleticism wise joe tooney and cole strange are pretty similar and joe tooney was able to make an immediate impact as one of the best guards in the nfl Whereas Cole Strange hasn't, and obviously having Dante Scarnecchia and having like a more solid offensive line and everything like that certainly helped Joe Tooney. But um, I don't know. The jury's kind of out on Cole Strange. And when they took him, obviously the criticism was that, why are you taking a, what was he, 24-year-old small school guard in the first round? Well, it was um, like, it was like you, even if you could have got him later, like you could get anyone later. It's, well, it's, but it's the it, most replaceable position, I think, on the field. It is, and the case for him too was that, like, okay, but he'll be a he'll be a solid starter. He'll be a one starter, like plug and play, plug and play, and like he's a guy. He got benched at one point this season, so like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else. I haven't done the whole research of like who else they could have taken in that spot and all that stuff, but like, I, I think that everyone might have been a little bit too quick to do the, the reversal on that pick and be like, no, actually it was good. He's going to be a day one starter. He's going to be great. But like, he hasn't been that good this year, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing like a, a, a PFF style uh, grade of every player of every down. But when I, right. when I go back and persevere through NFL plus's coaches film uh, apparatus, which is like, I deserve hazard pay for that because it's so bad. It's, oh God. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. But uh, when I do put it through and you try to figure out what happened, there's times where it's just, you know, why didn't Max step up? Well, because the left guard is getting driven backward into him. And it's not happening every play. I don't mean, but there are these instances where he's just clearly overmatched and clearly overpowered because the men in the NFL are a lot stronger than whoever the hell Chattanooga played last year. So it's, 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 again, your point was that Mike and one is really good. And I agree with that. Um, But I, I just meant to say that, that, you know, you can get a guard later who's at a Pro Bowl caliber. I think uh, yeah. I didn't even care about. I can't, I never care about the Pro Bowl uh, again. I do care that these guys make their money and everything, so I don't mean to yeah. dismiss it. But like, no, oh, this guy got snubbed. I don't care. Um, and also, there's no more Pro Bowl. It's all activities. It's like right. Nickelodeon style uh, yep. guts, which guts rocks. By the way, I recently introduced my children to guts on Paramount Plus. Um, there's like eight million episodes, so we're set guts for a long fun. time. Yeah, um, but. I didn't even care. And then Evan Lazar gave him credit. I'm pretty sure it was him had a tweet saying that Marcus Jones got hosed uh, because Braxton Berrios was chosen as the punt return fill in. And Marcus mm. Jones has much better stats. He is the only touchdown in the AFC, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's got the longest at 84. He's the only AFC punt returner with a touchdown averaging 13.6. And they went with Berrios who's averaging 11.9. So 
didn't care at all. And now I'm like, Marcus Jones should be on there. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that uh, he probably should have been. Um, but yeah, I can't get that worked up with the Pro Bowl. I, yeah, can, no, I guess I, I can only get worked up over Michael Wenu getting snubbed. But um, just kind of looking at some of the rookie guards around the NFL, it's not like they like missed out on some like fantastic rookie guard. But I'm sure that uh, at some point in the next five years or so, there will be a case to be made for the Patriots having picked Christian Watson at 29 overall and then maybe waiting until the second or third round to take a guard. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. Brees, uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall pretty good. But I mean, Brees they, got some, pretty good. they got some good rookie running backs too. So I'm not going to. Yeah. We, we, we're not going to do that. We could. Yeah. Kenneth Walker. Oh, wow. He's pretty good too. No, we're not going to do that though. You, uh, I think you wanted to spend the rest of the podcast talking about uh, Cameron McGrone. Is that correct? Yeah, I was hoping. What do we got? Like three hours uh, on McGrone. No, I just think the McGrone going to who claimed him? Indianapolis Pulse. is interesting. Yeah, because he was like sold as a certain thing, and this is not Cameron McGrone's fault at all. But you look at his college production, and it was minimal. Um, it's not as if he was a, a star player for Michigan. They drafted him after he tore his ACL. Was it at a pro day that he tore it? I want to say no. I think oh, it was, was, it was during season. the season. Okay. Yeah. Um, someone else tore their, they, they got an, no, no, you know what it was last year? Someone tore their ACL at a, at a pro day. I'm like, well, Bill's going to draft him. Um, he didn't, but he, he was known. It was known that he wasn't going to play as a rookie. And it was like, right. all right, well, next year he'll have that experience in the system and the program and all that. And then all spring, uh, Mac Rose said it after the draft. Why didn't you draft a linebacker? Well, we have Cameron McGrone. So that's basically like a draft pick right there. And the fan base to a certain extent was really hyping this kid up as if he was going to be this big difference maker. And it was like, what are you basing that on? I really, I really never got it with the, you know, opportunity to be proven wrong. And now he's gone having never played. He was elevated against the Cardinals, which I'm sure he made a lot more money that week uh, coming off the practice squad and being active, uh, I mean, being on the, on the active roster, but not active on game day. Um, But other than that, we never saw him play football. Uh, so it, it was just not not the hugest deal, but I think it's notable that they did seem to rely on him. And then the last point is like, haven't the linebackers been all right? Like surprisingly, we're never really like have, banging a drum that they're screwing up. I I might have been to blame for some of the Cameron McGrone. Oh no, you're a McGrone. You're a McGrone guy. I was a I was a McGroner oh. um, back <laughs> in what was it when they took him 2021? McGroner. <laughs> um, uh, just tell me what you want me to. Uh, so, um, yeah, I liked McGrone because he was kind of like an undersized linebacker. He was good in 2019. He was young, too. He's still only 22. Okay. Um, I think he came out after his junior year. And, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I, I liked the idea of getting someone, like, maybe a little bit later than you could have got him. But, like, even still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they really did get that much of a discount on him because he tore his ACL. Like I'm not sure how high Cameron McGrone would have gone in an ideal draft where he didn't tear his ACL. You know what I mean? Like, what is he like a third or fourth round pick rather than a fifth round pick at that point? Well, um, that's the thing is like, I obviously didn't break down the Michigan tape of every play, but he had three sacks in college in, yeah. in 16 games. You know, he had 91 tackles, 11 for a lot. So like he wasn't bad. He had one pass defense and one yeah. force fumble. It was like, okay, so he played, defense in college I, I i didn't i i thought that the the idea that he would come in and be like an impact player was a bit much and 
Uh, it's probably all for naught, but it's one of those things that was a story all summer. Was it a story all summer? It was a story, and I just disagreed with it. I kind of missed that whole story, fortunately, because I probably would have been hyping him up to an embarrassing degree as well. But you know, it's no, funny. I, I, I was on uh, NBC doing the thing with like Ted Johnson was the other guest. And, I, and we had to like pick a thing that was like bothering us or whatever. And I was like, all these people that are like big on camera going and Ted Johnson just looks at me. And he goes, are there Cameron McGrone people? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> shut up, Ted. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, trying mad to make a him. point. I'm trying to get upset about something that isn't, you know, the coaching situation. Um, the linebackers have been pretty good though. I think Jelani Tavai in his like first and second down role has been fine. Juwan Bentley is having a really solid season. There, there hasn't been a, many times when you're like, Oh man, Juwan Bentley was like too slow on that play or whatever it is. I'm not sure like why he's playing better. It seems like maybe the Patriots coaches have just figured out a way to limit his limitations a little bit more this season. Um, and then even like Raquan McMillan's been making some plays out there. Uh, Mac Wilson started off pretty slow, but he's kind of picked it up as well. So yeah, overall, not like a big name group, but overall that, that, that position's been pretty solid for the Patriots this year. I also like, I take Duggar Phillips and peppers and say they're like half right. linebackers, at least at least so yeah. it helps. Cause I always think of like, I mean, the NFL changes, pretty significantly over the course of five, six, seven, eight years. I always think of like Dante Hightower chasing a speedy running back in coverage and just right. being a step behind. It's like, you're not really seeing that anymore. Cause you're not getting that matchup many times anymore, because I think there's guys like Phillips out there covering and, and Duggar's Duggar's doing whatever yeah. the hell Duggar's doing that. It kind of, you know, it, 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 it takes away from the stress or the the needs of the linebacking core. I think, cause you, you went through those names. There's, it's not like they're stacked still. They're still maybe lacking no, not. human beings, but it, it hasn't been, I don't think, a weakness of the defense. I I thought it was going to be like a linebacker core similar to like what was in like 2011 when you had like Gary Guyton at linebacker. Um, it was, yeah, and like maybe Gerard Mayo was like hurt, whatever it was. Like there was some, there were some very lean years at linebacker. And then all of a sudden they had Gerard Mayo, Brandon Spikes, Dante Hightower, and Jamie Collins. And they were like, loaded at the position basically every year up until this year. So I thought that this was going to be a major regression at the linebacker position. And it has just been. so credit. I want to say one for that. Sean Crable. I want to throw Sean Crable in there. I feel like that's why he had, uh, he had like bird legs, right? He was a Michigan guy. Yeah. He was long, ankles? long. Yeah. I don't know about the ankle specifically, but I know he was, he was someone that I just wanted to say his name. <laughs> Sean Crable. Um, Michael Lombardi made some interesting comments mm. this week. Uh, he was, uh, he, he, he went out there on a limb, said that uh, Bill Belichick made a massive mistake hiring Matt Patricia and Joe judge to run the offense. I feel like, I think Michael Lombardi is kind of like strayed from the Patriot way, like being Bill Belichick's mouthpiece quite a bit over the last, I don't know, three or four years. Like it's been, He's been removed from the system for what, since 2016, 2015, something like that. Uh, his son no longer works for the Patriots. His son, Mick Lombardi, is now the Raiders offensive coordinator. Um, so I feel like when M Michael Lombardi used to talk about the Patriots, it was like, all right, well, this is what Bill Belichick thinks. This is what the tone is inside the building. Um, but this, I, he still really went out on a limb criticizing 
Bill Belichick, criticizing Matt Patricia, criticizing Joe Judge, uh, said that they're calling offensive plays like it's battleship. There's no structure in place to the way that they're calling plays. And I mean, it's a lot of the things that we've said on this podcast, but it is interesting now that Michael Lombardi is saying it as well. For sure. And and I do think it was overstated that he was like in the in the deep pocket of Bill Belichick. So if he said it, it meant Bill Belichick was saying it because if I had that reputation, I would obviously speak as if I had that and then people would eat it up and I'd make all this news and get all these. Interviews. So I do think that was overstated, but you brought up a good point. His son is no longer there. So I think that is probably the I mean, if your son's yeah. boss. You're not like you're not going to go out. And if you have a voice and a microphone, you're not going to go out and negatively you're going to defend him because he's your right. son's boss. Like you're not an idiot. Um, so so I guess that that maybe takes makes him less beholden to to hold up Bill Belichick in a certain way. But I still think it stood out because he obviously, even though he has been separated and has no sort of doesn't owe anything to the organization, his kids gone, whatever. But he still doesn't seem like someone who would say there's a, a Bill Belichick failure. Like that seems right. above and beyond saying like, oh, it's not working out. They got to do this. And, and we've heard him criticize Mac Jones and it's never like a failure. It's it's always he's got to do this. He's got to work out more, whatever. I don't know, whatever it may be. It just feels like this was a little extra, extra. So that's why it stood out to me. And now you read the that's what because if you read the quote, it's like, yeah, everyone says that, dude. Uh, right. But the fact that it's coming from someone with that history makes it stand out more where it's like maybe those if if Bill relies on Mike Lombardi for advice, I don't know that he does. I doubt that he does, but other people that he may call and talk football with in, in February when he's not in the Super Bowl, maybe there will be more people being like, yeah, you really, I, I watched from afar and it wasn't good. Like maybe there's more, there's going to be more of that. It's unavoidable. I think it is. I mean, I'm shocked that like the people that he was talking to, they trust weren't saying it more this offseason because like, that's the same type of stuff that I was hearing after they, went with this decision of like, this is going to hold back the progress of Mac Jones. And at the time I was like, all right. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. And I think that it, it 100% has like Mac Jones has not progressed the way that he probably would have with a real offensive coordinator in there. How different do you think things would have been this season? If Mick Lombardi was the offensive coordinator and play caller, I don't think we really know the answer to that because we don't know what a Mick Lombardi offense would look like, but I wonder how much of Bill Belichick going with, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who have been NFL head coaches before, who have gotten a lot of criticism before from Detroit, from New York, everything like that. Like, I wonder how much that played into it of like, rather than throwing Nick Cayley to the Wolves, rather than throwing Mick Lombardi to the Wolves, rather than throwing some like 20-something-year-old or 30-something-year-old inexperienced coach to the Wolves into running offense. I don't know. I, I wonder how much of that was just like, all right, like this guy's probably going to get criticized anyway. Let's at least let someone who's experienced get criticized for it. I just, I, I guess it goes, I mean, we've said it before. We brought it up a few times, like the, the blame me line. And, and I, and I put this in the same regard where it's like, when did like the right decision become being magnanimous and not letting so-and-so get criticized for doing a bad job. It's right, like, yeah, the, the goal of the organization has always been to win and to do whatever it takes to win, not to like, well, let's do this and it probably won't work. And if it does, I'll take the blame and, and I don't want someone to feel bad about it. It just feels like it doesn't feel in line with what they're doing. And it's also like, what year did they bring? Did they hire Greg Schiano for like a month? And he never actually, was that 2019? I want to say. I think it was that, 2019. It was after Brian Flores left. 
Yeah, so that was the case where it's like, all right, well, we need a defensive coordinator. And then, obviously, that didn't happen. But, I mean, there there has been some precedent to doing it. It just feels like this, this however you want to rationalize it, if it's like Bill's, you know, falling on the sword and saying like, well, I'll, I'll take the hits. It's like, why not just not take hits? Why not hire right. someone that can do it? And that's what I don't understand. Um, before we get onto our next topic here, head to thrivefantasy.com. Uh, use promo code Doug and you will get your any money that you put in, I think up to $100 matched by Thrive Fantasy. So if you put in $10, they will give you $10 for free. If you put in $100, they will give you $100 for free. It's prop-based fantasy. So you're picking overs, unders on prop bets. It's a lot of fun. You can do contests or you can do, you know, a, a prop parlay, see how many props you can get right. Um, and if you're a first time user, then there's usually some sort of discounted prop today. If you would have done this on the Jaguars Jets game, you could have bet the over for Trevor Lawrence for one passing yard. So um, definitely jump on that thrivefantasy.com. Use promo code Doug. Um, all right, let's talk about the rest of the season here. Patriots will be playing the Bengals on Saturday. Then they will play the Miami Dolphins on New Year's. And then they will be playing the Buffalo Bills to close out the season. So the question is what the Patriots can accomplish positively over the final three weeks of the season. You wrote about this this week. Um, I think that over the next three weeks, and even obviously you're assessing the the last 15 weeks as well, you just kind of have to figure out like who you want to work with on this team moving forward. Because this is obviously a very important offseason for the Patriots. Last offseason was as well. But like now that this just keeps happening, where the Patriots are a middling team, whether or not they make the playoffs, like you've got to figure things out pretty fast heading into next year. And I even think about like heading into this season, it was like, Oh, well, I mean, Kendrick Bourne is a super valuable piece on this offense. He's underpaid. He's signed for two more years. Like, that's a cornerstone player. You don't want to trade him. You, you, like, you couldn't get enough for him in a trade. And it was kind of the same thing with Devontae Parker when they acquired him in a trade, too. Okay, he's here for two years. It's going to be great. He'll be here for two years. He'll make a massive impact. Like, you know, that he's here beyond just this year, other than other, like, unlike Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. At this point, like, I don't know, like, is it a guarantee that Kendrick Bourne and, Nel and like Ken Devontae Parker will even be on the roster in 2023? Like, are those guys that you need to work with moving forward? I think like probably I don't think you're going to get a better group of wide receivers than those guys. But at the same time, like they haven't really done that much. I, I kind of feel that way about a lot of players on this team where like I don't think you're going to tear it down to the studs or anything like that. But there's a lot of guys that you can cut bait with, not take on that much dead cap, and like maybe just try to find better players who either fit the system better or can be bigger impact makers. So I think that that's a big thing over the next three weeks is to figure out who you actually want to keep working with on this team. Yeah, because going into this year, it was like, well, who has Mac established chemistry with? And Bourne was answer number one. And now right. it's like, could they get it back? Yeah, but I think it's just, I think it's been short circuited. Like it's been, yeah. Been when you squeeze the uh, mat, when you squeeze the lamp, not the lamp, candle. When you put the candle out, that's what it's extinguished. That's the word. Um, it's been extinguished, and it's like he had a good thing with Hunter Henry in the red zone. That's not happening anymore. 
he never had anything with Johnny Smith. So it's sort of like maybe that's over too. Uh, Aguilar is Aguilar. Uh, I, like there, the, there's in the passing game, as much as we can't like evaluate the, the, the players and, and the quarterback and, and things because of how poorly it's been set up and how, how poorly everything's been designed on that side of the ball. It, it feels like, like to your point, it feels like the opportunity is there for not a 2020 level reset, but if they want to make wholesale changes and swap three of their skill players out, uh, that's probably going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably not going to be like a 2020 reset, but at the same time, like just looking at the roster, Damian Harris very well might not be back next year. He's a free agent and they've got Ramondre Stevenson. They just drafted two guys like at wide receiver, Aguilar and Myers, both free agents. And like I just said, like, I don't know, like, do you need to bring back Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker? I don't necessarily like, I feel like this is such a different off season than what you're used to covering or following the Patriots where it's like, oh, well, of course, Julian Edelman's going to be back. Of course, Devin McCourty's going to be back. Of course, Patrick Chung's going to be back. Like, no matter what, you have to bring those guys back, re-sign them, whatever it is. Whereas this year, it's just like, I look at this roster and like, do you need to bring back Hunter Henry? I think you need to bring back John o. Smith because they restructured his contract. But like, even a defensive back, like Jalen Mills, I think that there's an out on his contract after this year. Like, is yeah. it a guarantee that Jalen Mills is going to be on the roster this year? I, I don't know. I was thinking that too, when he's out again, it's sort of like year two, right. it's just a, a wash at that point. So um, that's the, the personnel side. I think there's a lot. I think the larger picture, there's this, you know, dichotomy uh, among the fans whether you want them to win two out of the last three make a push for the playoffs I'm of the mind that it's always good to be a playoff team but then there's the other side of it being lose all three get a better draft pick get a better chance in the first round which I get but then you look at it actually when you look at it there's I want to say I don't want to get this wrong so I'm going to double check because whenever I do this there are already one, two, three, four, five teams with double-digit losses, which is obviously mm-hmm. the maximum number of losses the Patriots can get. And then there's three or more teams that are going to get there, like Carolina has nine losses, New Orleans has nine losses, Atlanta has nine losses. Two of those teams are going to end up with ten losses. Uh, Pittsburgh could end up with ten. Indianapolis certainly will. Cleveland could end up there. So the idea that you're like going to finish seven and ten and, and pick in the top ten isn't going to happen. And you might even go like up maybe two or three spots. So not that you can control that, but uh, I know I went back to when they drafted Mac Jones, like they drafted Mac at 15, Michael Parsons went at 12 and it's like, mm-hmm. they weren't going to draft him. I think they were taking a quarterback no matter what, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I, if, if the difference between a franchise altering player and uh, someone who's not is winning a game in December, then obviously a loss is better. But I, I still think overall for the health of the franchise, winning any of these games is better than losing them all. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, uh, going to your point on the draft position, um, that site in Predictable that I talk about maybe too often about like betting markets for teams, they also do projected draft position. And the highest project, like the, the highest probability of the Patriots draft order is either 16 or 17. There's a 12% chance on both of those draft slots. 10% for 15, but like 7% for the 11th overall pick, 
I think that that's a place where you could actually get a pretty significant impact maker. And that's a little bit less likely at 15, 16 or 17. And then there's currently a 3% chance that they will be drafting 22nd overall. I think, I mean, Bill Belichick is, is not going to want to lose because this is these last three games are like, they're really important for Bill Belichick, especially when you're talking about like all the reports over the last few weeks of like, could Robert Kraft make wholesale changes to the team, blah, blah, blah. Like Bill Belichick wants to finish as many games over 500 without Tom Brady as humanly possible just to make himself look better. And like, I know that that's not, I know like maybe that's not like the number one thing on his mind or anything like that, but like, he wants to win games. He wants to raise his winning percentage. He does not want to lose games because if they lose out here, then I don't think Bill Belichick gets fired, but like, at least it like raises the possibility if the end of this season is just completely embarrassing. I don't think there's a point of making the playoffs because the Patriots are not a good team. They do not do well against good teams and they would almost certainly lose in the first round of the playoffs and all winning out this year would do is lower their draft position, but it's almost kind of pointless to talk about because we just know that that's not even a thought on Bill Belichick's mind to lose out and do better in the draft. I'm going to push back on, on one point you just made at the end there in that, you know, it will happen and you and I will do it and everyone will do it because if they make the playoffs, they will most likely have just beaten the bills in week 18 and they'll very likely because of that, be playing the bills in the wild card round the next week. Both games will be in orchard park and we'll be like, they just did it. They just did it a they week ago. They just did it. I mean, they could do it again and then they'll go out and the bills will actually try and they'll, right. they'll whoop. But yeah, I do think that the, the ultimate prize of getting a trip to Kansas city or uh, Buffalo is not really something to aspire for, but I just think, you want to be a playoff team and maybe we take it for granted in new England, but like, look at right. Buffalo. They didn't make the playoffs for however long it was. They didn't want a playoff game for two decades. Plus like there is value to it. And maybe we are kind of numb to it because we're kind of like, well, if you're not competing for a championship, what's the point of even getting out of bed in the morning. But I think right. in this new age of the Patriots there, there has to be some small accomplishments along the way. Um, the thing I want to watch for Doug, and that I'm actually like excited for now after last week is watching Marcus Jones play against some great receivers again, because like I put out a tweet in the first quarter when Marcus Jones broke up the pass to Devontae Adams. I was like, Oh, what a mismatch for the Patriots. He was freaking good. Like mm -hmm. he was good. And it wasn't like he was good for a rookie or he was good considering he was go who he was going against. Like he covered Devontae Adams really well one week after covering Deandre Hopkins really well. So like maybe they'll throw him on Jamar chase. Like maybe I, is he going to cover Tyreek Hill? I don't know. Maybe he's, he's, he's fast. And, and then, you know, his digs and digs in the winter. Like, let's go see that in Buffalo. Like I'm excited to watch that play out because for as much as this season has had a lot of negatives, uh, the, I think the rookie class is, is probably the number one positive. I, I think that, I mean, yeah, Marcus Jones against Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. If he keeps playing like he has the last two weeks, will be really fun. Like you couldn't really ask for a better matchup. I, I wish that we could have seen Marcus Jones run a 40 yard dash either at his pro day or at the combine, because like, I just want to know the number because like mm. he seems so fast. Yes. He moves so quickly on that. The screen that he took for a touchdown, like he was just moving so much faster than the rest of the defense that like, yeah, I'm a nerd only, about the only... combine and pro days and stuff. I just want to know the number. I don't want to do it. Like say, but like, who else other than Tyreek Hill makes a play like that where there's five guys 
in an arc around him in like <laughs> right. a 10 yard span. And then they're just all gone. Like, I'm not saying he's as fast as Tiger Kill, but you're right. I would like to know the number as well. I wouldn't really have any point of reference to it. I would have to Google is such and such a good 40 number. But people like you just know it instantly. And that would be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I I want to see a race between Taekwon Thornton and, and Marcus Jones. We haven't seen the Taekwon Thornton season's been a, it's it's been pretty disappointing. Well, it's if like we're being honest. And I, I know he, I know he went through some personal stuff, so I don't want to like criticize. Yeah, no, him no, too hard I, I have like no that, issues but... with like him. It's just like right. they have him running five yard outs, right? And if your entire strength is downfield speed, it doesn't feel like it's being used. And I'm not saying have forty yard deep shots. And I know the offensive line and protection is an issue, but how about like a twelve yard comeback? Like you know where you you have the threat of going deep. Yeah. And you come back or or a deep crosser, even where you're 20 yards deep, like using your speed to get past people, which they actually fair enough. They did try against Arizona. And that was the pick when Matt got hit. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, was it a pick? Yeah, he threw a pick. Isaiah Simmons. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you don't have the protection. That's the biggest thing. But at the same time, you're, they're kind of utilizing him like he's like a possession receiver. And they're, in, they're also just the short game. like he's a decoy. It's like he's not he's running a ton of routes and not getting really any targets whatsoever, which leads me to think like they probably just don't trust him, I guess, at this point. But I don't know, like no one else is doing anything. I would just like to see what would happen if you threw him the ball more. And yeah, if you utilize him better as well. Yeah, like maybe some of those Marcus Jones plays could have worked for him. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that, that's what I was just thinking. It's like you're putting a cornerback on the field when like the wide receiver you draft in the second round runs just as fast, if not faster. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe not on pads, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's no, a little strange. It, it's, but yeah, I, I do think on the whole, and you know, if Jack Jones comes back, I think that's more I think that's valuable experience that those guys can get, even right. if this is a lost year, you have some heavy duty receivers on the schedule. So at least those two guys who I think, I mean, you could maybe nitpick a couple things, but I think they've performed as well, if not better, than you could have possibly expected from two rookie cornerbacks. So uh, that, that, that's probably like the best player development angle to these next few weeks. This this week's game could, could be a little bit messy when you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Um, once again, you don't have Jalen Mills. But yeah, this is like the best test that you can possibly have for Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones, and Jack Jones, if Jack Jones is back out there. And if he's not, then I think that you might start to see Miles Bryant exploited a little bit in this matchup. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's no better wide receiver trio in the NFL than what they're about to face with the Bengals. And Joe Burrow is is quite good as well. I will say this year, for one reason or another, the Bengals have not been utilizing, like, deep passes for Joe Burrow that seemed to be his strength last season was like hitting on almost every single deep throw that he made and they've they've basically like cut his deep targets in half the season so that is, is that one like maybe to preserve loss. him so he doesn't break in half it's because... certainly possible yeah because they yeah. I mean they got he got sacked so much last season he's dealt with injuries already but like they upgrade the offensive line but Lael Collins has been sort of a disaster in pass protection this season even though um, he was supposed to be a, an upgrade over what they had last year. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that this week could be messy. And it, again, this is like the most oversimplified thing. And I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. But when you look at the the quarterbacks the Patriots have beaten this year, it's Trubisky, 
It's Goff who has turned good, but at the point yeah. time, no one was really saying it. It's Brissett, a backup. It's Zach Wilson twice, who's starting but is a backup. Sam Ellinger and Colt McCoy. And in the when they've lost, it's been Tua, it's been Lamar, it's been Rodgers, it's been Justin Fields, who doesn't really fit in that category. It's been Cousins, it's been Josh Allen, and now it's been Derek Carr. So now you have Joe Burrow. It does feel like when it and whether those quarterbacks led to the win or not, when it comes time to make a play and it's third and seven in the fourth quarter, uh, when it's someone who's capable of doing it, they've been able to do right. it this year. I, I don't think it's coincidental that when you have experienced good starters in the field game again throw that out that was a that was a different night um the opposing quarterback has been able to win the game and and yeah. I, I feel like that's going to happen again yeah and joe burrow is a very good quarterback i will say with uh jared goff jared goff has been better but they've also basically like completely changed their offense it seems like since that game where now they're just like all right jared goff is get through so fast <laughs> on ross and brown we are not going to trust him to throw downfield we are not going to trust him to put the offense on his back and we are going to be as conservative as humanly possible and hey it, it works no. for them wait doug are you telling me that after going over six on fourth down the lions made some changes they 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 saw the fault of their ways you know what? It's amazing that there are teams around the NFL who do make changes to their offense. It's, if things it's aren't pretty working. hard. It's pretty hard. Yeah, it's pretty hard to do. But uh... people forget though. Oh, for six on fourth down. Just it's a ma- I, I made a joke earlier, or I kind of snidely talked about Mac Jones saying it's okay when a drive ends in a kick. Right. It's okay when a drive ends in a kick. It it's, is. Uh, it's field okay. goals and punts aren't the worst thing in the world when you turn it over six times on downs. I I've thought that the uh, not to get too deep into the lines here, but like. There's been like this sentiment of like, oh, maybe the Lions don't need to draft a quarterback. Like Jared Goff's been great this season. Like maybe yeah. they can just keep riding with Jared Goff. It's like, guys, like how? <laughs> like if you're gonna be good moving forward, like if if Ben Johnson sticks around, if Dan Campbell's actually a good coach, like you've got some good young pieces. Like how many times are you going to have a pick in the top five like you do this year with that Rams pick? Like you locked into a top five pick. You have your own pick. Like you can move up no matter, like however far you want. If you like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or Will Levis at all, like you have to go get him. Like Jared Goff, I'm sorry. Jared Goff is a nice guy. Like he's not the answer. He, it's it's insanity. He's the That's perfect, right. he's perfect for the role he's in right now for that yes. team in that moment. That moment being like the operative word. Like he's not your franchise. And if you want to just be fine, which the Lions are, then right. I think Goff is going to be your guy. But if you want to build a team, which I, I'm I've I've got the Lions winning this week. I'm I'm on team yep. Dan Campbell. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm all fun. in on it. Um they could beat the Panthers, they could beat the Bears, they could beat the Packers, they could go 10 and 7. Like let's let's do it. But long term, no. Like come on. I I think ideally you want your your veteran quarterback to ride the hot streak early in the season. Like Chino Smith did rather than late in the season when you can talk yourself into the veteran quarterback who's riding a hot streak. And um, I, the, the Geno Smith, even though he just made a pro bowl, the Geno Smith hype train has kind of died down a little bit. Jared Goff hype train is rising up a little bit. And for the lion's sake, I hope they do not talk themselves into that. Uh, we don't have that much longer to talk. So I want to talk about Julian Edelman comments about Mac Jones um, saying, what do you say? He was making pissy faces. Yeah, um, I feel as though I am the only viewer of Inside the NFL because I wrote that story and then everyone did. And I'm like, 
I don't think anyone was watching. I think that was all me. So shout out to me for making the news yep. from what good other job. Said. Um, I watch headlines. it. I mean, Edelman, Edelman is good in that show. I have to say, he is. um, it's uh, it's a good show. Um, but it was basically like Ray Lewis was upset that Mac Jones got shoved into the ground by Chandler Jones, and Brandon Marshall came to his defense and said, like, well, they don't practice that. And then Edelman's like, well, he doesn't practice throwing fits and, and his antics and making pissy faces after every play, but he does that. And I, I thought that stood out because you and I have talked about it, how we're kind of like, oh, this storyline. But I think the fact that it's now what I'm thinking about is like, you could be like, all right, Brady does it. Manning does it, but right. they don't do it every week. And they're also some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when you're not the yeah. greatest and you're doing it. Every, and it's like, you're, you're like, you're homeostasis. Like if it's, that's your status, it's it's definitely I understand that it's a, a story and it's not appealing and if and if a guy like Edelman is saying that I think that's pretty pretty damning to be honest with you because he played with Brady he got reamed by Brady inside the NFL actually posted an Instagram of Brady tearing up his his Bucks teammates in San Francisco and Edelman liked it I saw liked by Edelman eleven so he knows that that's part of being great but right. I just think in this instance. The fact that Edelman is turned off by it, I think I think that is more than like, you know, the radio or the fans or whatever. I so my mind kind of changed on this a little bit this week when I think it was Mike Giardi and maybe Greg Bedard, something like that, both pointed out that Mac Jones was yelling at Ramondre Stevenson um after the play. Well with the what was the it? Incompletion the incompletion at Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar third, um Ramondre Stevenson like ran the wrong route, but it was kind of convoluted because he kind of had to like run around defenders, but essentially Third down, he sorry. brought the defender too close to the area of Nelson Aguilar, made the pass more difficult, put another defender in the way. Okay, sure. Ramondre Stevenson's fault. Like hand up, Ramondre Stevenson did the wrong thing there. Ramondre Stevenson is the best goddamn player on the <laughs> offense. Like, sorry, like Ramondre Stevenson has been, I know that like quarterbacks are more valuable than running backs. So like Mac Jones war or whatever is probably higher than Ramondre Stevenson, but like Ramondre Stevenson has been significantly better as a running back than Mac Jones has been as a quarterback this season. The offense would not be where it is right now if Ramondre Stevenson was not on the field. Like, let the guy make a mistake. Like, if you're yelling at Matt Patricia, it's kind of like funny and quirky. If you're yelling at Ramondre Stevenson before he makes the lateral back to Jacoby Myers, then it's just like, dude, I don't, you're not that good. Like, you're not as good as Ramondre Stevenson's been this season. You're missing, you're going to be missing passes late in the game and you're going to get steamrolled by Chandler Jones and it's going to be embarrassing and you can't be doing that to your teammates who are good and who are like the same age as you and who have been probably more valuable to the team than you. So I think mm -hmm. that that's kind of like where you find an issue with it. If you're frustrated by the coach who's never coached offense before, sure, I understand it. Great, good on you. I don't know. I, I don't love doing that to Ramondre Stevenson in, in that situation. Yep. Well said. Nothing um, to add. No notes. And uh, so, yeah. Um, one more thought on Ramondre Stevenson. Because in our notes here, we have any lingering thoughts on the lateral play. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I said this before on this show. I think I've said it before on other shows. But Ramondre Stevenson, the first lateral to Jacoby Myers. I've kind of warmed up to it. Like he was, he gained more yards than he thought he was going to gain. It was a safe he, lateral. He, there was a group of Raiders defenders around him trying to tackle him because he's a difficult human being to tackle. So 
like there was Raiders defenders behind him. And then there was a group of Raiders defenders around him. So in that situation, I don't actually hate the idea of throwing the ball behind you to a, to a playmaker who's very close to you, who's going to then catch that ball and maybe actually turn that into a touchdown. Because at that point, Ramondre Stevenson was not going to score a touchdown. There was a chance that someone that he threw the ball to was going to score a touchdown. And there was a very small chance that that football was going to get fumbled or brought back for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I can't excuse the yeah. Jacoby Myers one. Like there, there's no excuse whatsoever for that. But like in, and the Ramondre Stevenson lateral was bad because it put the idea in Jacoby Myers head that it was going to be a lateral play, but that actual lateral, it wasn't bad. I, I, I kind of yeah. liked it. Did you watch the dots? You know, the next gen dots? Uh, yes. Yes. So, that kind of speaks to your point where if that was yeah. say like if he flipped it to Tyree kill, he probably would have scored because you just right. look back around and everyone was kind of yeah. to that side of the hash. I get it. I still say when the play call is draw, uh, that shouldn't be in your head at all, but you know, right. fair enough. Fair enough. My, my question was more, you know, with, with some of the dust settled, does this end up, because to me, the funniest play in NFL history is the Colts fake punt when when whoever Griff Whalen or whatever snapped it with three guys just all alone. I will never in- take more enjoyment out of sports than that moment. Um, like the butt fumble is funny, but it's mm-hmm. chaos of sport. Like, it, I mean, it's just it doesn't happen. But it, it I mean, Vince Wolfork pushing a guy, uh, a missed handoff. You run it. Things happen yeah. like Miami Miracle. I even is like, all right, well, you, you, you tried. You got beat. Uh, these things happen. This just. I can't think of anything like this. So I do think it has the staying power of, of all those things, but yeah, it lacks like, or, or what's the guy, any old person that's listening is going to be mad. Uh, Yar, Yamo Caprillion or whatever for the Vikings. Oh, like the yeah, kicker yeah. who tried to throw it in the Super Bowl, like left. Right. Like, but it doesn't have necessarily the name. So maybe that yeah. might help the PR in the long term. We talked about PR. True, yeah. There's, there hasn't been like an effective nickname for this play. Like the latter. Like Miami play. Miracle yeah. was instant. Yeah. But but fumble was instant. I mean, right. Colts fake punt play doesn't have one. And maybe I'm the only one that harps on that. But there's sometimes where I'll tweet like this is the worst play ever. And like 12 people will just send the Colts fake punt play, even though I'm not serious. It's just like, how dare you joke about this when the Colts fake punt play happened? I wonder if this play supplants it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you still hear me, by the way? You can. I can. Right? Yeah. Okay. My yes. daughter's school keeps calling me. I don't know why. It's 8 p.m. It's... at night. On a Thursday, huh. I don't think school I, may be canceled. Doug, um, there's a big storm coming. That's in. what I'm thinking is that school might be canceled. Wow, good that's, luck to you tomorrow. I'm assuming that's probably what it is. But I would like them for to leave a message instead of just yeah. continuing to call me when they know I'm podcasting. Like who doesn't know? That we I'm have the technology at this time. Um, we have the technology but, for that. I actually uh, derail. Um, I'm, I'm easy to derail, Doug. Um, I'm I'm in the process of selling and buying a car. And I, I put all my info in to get all this stuff. I have gotten like 55 phone calls, oh, 3 God. million emails, 80 texts. My voicemail's full for the first time of my adult life. And it's like, guys, I drive a 2011 Civic. Like, <laughs> if you want it this bad, like, come and get it and give me more money than you're offering. Like, I'm not like this. It's chaos. It's chaos. So Selling I things on like Craigslist or Facebook market. It's a, it's no, it wasn't it's that. So goddamn annoying. It wasn't oh, even really? that. It was like put your value in from like Kelly Blue Book, and oh, all that, and then it like goes to dealerships and like certain dealerships has called me thirty times. I'm like, I don't trust you as a business. If you want a 2011 Civic this bad, like you guys are down bad. 
Like you got to reevaluate. It's a 2011 Civic. Like, are you stop. are you getting a truck? Are you getting a truck? So I thought I I just don't need one. I want one, mm. but I just don't need the truck, even though I want yeah. one. And then I'm like, oh, I'll get like a Highlander or something, like a big SUV. And then it's like, I don't need yeah. a big one. I could just get a small one. It's like, damn it. So I don't know, Doug. Uh, I go on and I look for one, and then I look at twenty, and then I'm like, oh, an Audi would be nice. And I'm like, oh, oh, a BMW is a good deal. And it's like, what are you doing? Like. Right. What are you doing? You drive a 2011 Civic. Anything you get as an upgrade, stop looking at luxury vehicles. But it's a problem. <laughs> I, it's not good. If anyone listening wants to help me, uh, let me know where to find me. Please, I need I need a lifeline. Uh, so school is canceled tomorrow. That's, that's actually kind of good. It was going to be half yeah. day anyway. Now now I don't have to wake up and like drive her to school and everything like that. So that's good. Um, trucks are cool. My my Ford Maverick school because it gets good gas mileage, but also, um, a lot of the time. My my five year old daughter like never stops talking like ever. Mm -hmm. She's probably talking. Can't right relate. Now. She's probably Can't trying relate. to talk to me right now. Um, <laughs> but in a car, sometimes there's a lot of space and it's hard to hear them. And if they're saying something important, then I have to keep saying what? What did you say? What? Mm -hmm. Truck. Mm -hmm. It's a compact space. There's no like space behind mm -hmm. that the sound can mm -hmm. go. So that's mm -hmm. a, it's just a it's another perk about the truck is that you can actually they don't tell you that in the literature if they're trying they don't to tell you that in the no, literature exactly. in the showroom no but you know you got it's that maverick true. you were like ground floor it's like cost double yeah like you can't really i, missed that. I, missed oh, man, I should sell my it's then. no well then you need a car so let me tell you it's not where you want to be <laughs> it's just not not where you want to be in life no i don't want to sell mine anyway yeah i i that was that was smart of me, I think. To get it was. I thought about it, but I I didn't pull the trigger. I wish I did. I didn't know there was going to be a um, shortage in 2020. Both shout out to Patriots fan Jerry Edmond. Uh, he was the one who was getting yelled at by the Raiders fan in Las Vegas. Uh, what Robert Kraft is flying him in, or is it this game? Is it uh, yeah? It's this game, game which I'm surprised because it's Christmas. Like I'd be like, yeah, can right. we do like next week, please? I, I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to go. Um, but no, I like that story because. Every yeah. story on the internet is basically like this bad person did a bad thing. Let's shame them. I think this person obviously was going through hell um, by a woman who was pretty terrible. And he, mm -hmm. he, you know, wasn't, he didn't know he was being filmed. He just right. did a nice job of being a human being and he's getting a nice reward for it. And the whole internet is like, Oh, that's good. And that never happened. So I wanted to bring that up. No. Yeah. Usually it's a case where like either, the woman who's yelling at him was the one who would be like named and people would find out who she is. Which or... like maybe we should like maybe that should happen because that's pretty bad. Like, what's what's anyways. also the um what 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 is it when like someone does something good, their name gets oh, out milkshake there duck. Then, milkshake yeah, duck. Milkshake duck. So I'm glad that Jerry Edmund is not a milkshake duck also. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's always funny. They're like, so and so look at this video, humans helping humans, like kindness, and then it's like, oh that yeah, uh, that oh, person actually yeah, we don't even need we don't need to we don't need to besmirch any milkshake ducks, but they're bad out there. <laughs> we don't need to give example, <laughs> but there's a there's plenty of milkshake ducks out there, and and hopefully by the time this comes out, Jerry Edmund is not a milkshake duck. I don't think he no, is based on his reaction no. to that video. I think that if he if he was going to be a milkshake duck, then he would not have had that that reaction. Um, what would you so do? No, in that, that is a fun duck. story. Um, you never know. What do you think you'd do? I think I'd. I think For anyone I'd that doesn't know, at first. not everyone, we should probably clar clarify, there was a Patriots fan in the upper yes. deck at Reliance Stadium when the Patriots lost. He was getting verbally assaulted all day. And then when the Raiders won, this one was like in his face, screaming at him, yeah. dancing in his face, like just being a horrible human being. And he didn't respond. So that's that's the story. Yeah. Anyways, what would you do? Um, I'd probably like kind of laugh about it. But then I think I'd also 
at least say something. So I wouldn't have been yeah. probably as big of a person as Jerry. I mean, like at some point I would have said something. Um, but I think like in that situation, even though it's like crushing and like, you're really bummed about what happened. Like, I think it's still like sort of funny that someone would be like that big of a, of an asshole about it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if we swear on this podcast. I guess we do now. Whew. You just did. Um, so that did. there's no, there's no turning back now. It is after 8 PM. No, but, um, I, I'd probably say, so I don't say anything to anyone, but like at a certain point you gotta like freak out. Like you gotta snap. So I don't know how you don't right. snap in that situation. That's like a, that's right. a real ability. I don't know. Maybe you just gotta yeah. shut down, shut off. I would probably like look to the husband and be like, sir, please. You know, I got actually, <laughs> please help me out right now. I actually had a situation like that. So it wasn't that bad, but at Metallica this year at Boston calling, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a festival crowd for the headliner, just like tens and tens of thousands of people all over the field. And my friend and I got pretty good spot. We went like an hour and a half early, got set up in front of the tent and we're there for a while. And then this woman is like yelling at me and I'm like, and she's like, could you not bump into me one more time? You're getting bumping. You're getting bumping. And I'm like, is this really happening? And I'm like, there's like, I'm not, there's like 55,000 people here. Like I, I'm sorry. And then, like, I wasn't going to fight her. Like, like I was going to let her <laughs> yell That's at me good. and whatever. And I was going to yeah. be like, okay, uh, I'll try not to bump you anymore. And then, like, her boyfriend or whatever said something to me. And I just looked at him and I said, no, don't. Like, just, and he was like, yeah, I will. Like, like this, like, you don't, <laughs> this doesn't have to happen. Like, it's a bad idea. No. And I'm not, like, playing tough guy, obviously. It's just like, right. don't, no. don't. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't So, I guess, this doesn't need I guess, I, yeah. I wasn't being like tormented or whatever for like fandom. Right. It was uh, just um, existing in a crowd of 55,000 near this one woman who hated it. <laughs> so my bad. I apologize to her sincerely. Um, I'll try yeah. not to bump into you next time. I can't think of a specific situation like this, but I think that my reaction would be to like kind of laugh. Like if so, if in a situation where like if I'm driving and if like I don't see a per like it like a situation like I'm thinking about if I'm driving, it's dark outside. Someone starts to cross the street. I don't see it at first, but then I stop before hitting them. This has happened a couple of times because streets are very dark where I live, mm. but I see them eventually and I stop, but then they like yell at me and be mm. like, Oh, you didn't see. like, then like inevitably I'll be like, yeah, but I stopped. Like I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't kill you. I didn't hurt you. I didn't like, I think that, so that would be like, I think that that's the closest thing for me mm. is that like the I car say something. The car know? elevates things like the car elevates right. so many emotions. So that, that yeah. might be, it's different. Like the things I say in the car, we, I, I actually had the idea for a podcast uh, where my car is just always recording, but it clicks on when it hears my voice and <laughs> it would just be like the most embarrassing thing. It would probably be good. Like yeah. it'd be like good therapy to listen to it. Be like, you need to get better, Michael. Um, but yeah, I, I just I never really will. Cars. It's really bad. But I think that'd be a great podcast. It would be very funny. Just me like swearing intermittently for like over the course of 55 minutes on the way home is just like the things I say and the, the things like you never know that you hate like Arkansas until an Arkansas plate is in front oh, yeah. of you and they do something yeah. and you're like, whoa, I, I didn't even know that. Uh, but yeah, the car, the car doesn't count. I don't think. 
Well, I think a car is like kind of similar to a, a an emotional sporting event, but no, it's true. I I also have a drive. I have a driveway where like I have to back out of my driveway. It's it's a hill, so I go downhill. I'm backing out, and usually there's cars parked on the street because I live near a college, and college kids park on the street. So I have like very little visibility when I'm backing out of a hill driveway, and I can't really see if cars are coming. And so I usually have to have my car kind of in the wrong side of the road facing forward when i then mm. have to pull around and like start going forward and a car like yelled at me in that situation once of being like like you're like in the lane or something like that i was like well i can't see you you mm. could see me coming but no i always do i always kind of like roll down my window and have, try to have a conversation with the person <laughs> so i don't know yeah it's it's probably similar to what would happen I we, we gotta go long though. story uh, short jerry edmund's a better man than both of us so yes all one thousand percent uh, go to thrivefantasy.com, promo code Doug. They will match the amount that you put into your account. Um, follow Michael on Twitter at Michael F. Early. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, no one's probably listening at this point because we've been doing non-secularists for like 12 <laughs> minutes. But if you are still listening, do all of that good stuff.